0: Guys, our hope is in grace alone. Um, truth of the matter is, we're all messed up. I'm messed up, and you're messed up, and that's why we so desperately need a savior. A lot of you don't know this, but I went to Mars Hill College, and I was a psychology major, and almost had enough minor to be a sociology minor. I was a religion minor too, but I remember this one class I had to take, it was abnormal psychology. And man, I tell you what, by the time you got out of that class, we all thought we were nuts. Because it would describe specific symptoms and, you know, you'd think, man, I do that. Maybe I need some pills, maybe something's going on inside of me, you know? Because that describes me. You know, just kinda like the, the young preacher, he was so nervous at the funeral and he he didn't want to mess up. He looked down at the body and he's describing the person and he says, says, as I look at the body, he said, only the shell remains, the nut is gone. (laughs) People that know us know the nut's still here, don't they? And I want to talk this morning, I want to focus in Romans chapter seven, as we're going to uh, look at Paul's own testimony about his own condition. You know, Paul he didn't describe himself as God's Superman, able to leap holy things in one tall commandment. You know, it wasn't Paul. Paul said, "I, I struggle." You don't know how I struggle. And if we're all honest, we could all say the same thing. We could all say, I struggle. And so, turn with me. We're going to look in Romans 7. Actually, we'll focus on most of the chapter. But for our Scripture reading, I want to read verses 14 through 19. So I'm going to ask you to stand in God's honor. So look at Romans 7, 14 to 19. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate to do. If I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. I know that nothing good lives in me. That is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. Let's pray. Father, uh, thank You for a chance to be back and for a chance to get away but a chance to be back and I want to thank you God so much for the different ones God who spoke Lord while I was gone and just continued to minister Lord and fill the gap Father I thank you for that God we're so blessed here at Kingsway God and thank you for all those Lord and Father we just lift to you today we need you Lord And we need to hear from You. Master, speak to us. Grab a hold of us, God. May we leave here looking to You. And Lord, we just tend to push You aside. May that not happen today. Minister to us, Holy Spirit. In Your name we ask. Amen. Amen. You know truth of the matter is if you're looking for something to criticize it's not hard because every one of us has issues. Uh, I want to read to you this is a letter. I don't know how much truth is to it but supposedly it's a letter from a kid that he was at, uh, on some trip with scouts for a week like camp and things didn't go uh, like parents would hope. Listen to his letter. Dear Mom and Dad, Our scoutmaster told us to write to our parents in case you saw the flood on TV and are worried. We're fine. Only one of our tents and two sleeping bags got washed away. Luckily, none of us got drowned because we were all up on the mountain looking for Adam when it happened. Oh, yes. Please call Adam's mother and tell her he's okay. He can't write because of the cast. I got to write in one of the search and rescue jeeps. It was neat. We never would have found Adam in the dark if it hadn't been for the lightning. (laughs) Scoutmaster Keith got mad at Adam for going on a hike along without telling anyone. Adam said he did tell him, but it was during the fire, so he probably didn't hear it. (laughs) Did you know that if you put gas on a fire, the gas will blow up? The wet wood didn't burn, but one of the tents did. And also, some of our clothes... Matthew's going to look weird until his hair grows back. We'll be home on Saturday if Scoutmaster Keith gets the bus fixed. It wasn't his fault about the wreck. The brakes worked okay when we left. Scoutmaster Keith said that with a bus that old, you have to expect something to break down. That's probably why he can't get insurance. We think it's a neat bus. He doesn't care if we get it get it dirty, and if it's hot, sometimes he lets us ride on the fenders. It's pretty hot with forty-five people on the bus made for twenty-four. <laughs> he let us take turns riding, riding in the trailer until the highway patrolman stopped and talked to us. Scoutmaster Keith's a neat guy. Don't worry, he's a good driver. In fact, he's teaching Jesse how to drive on the mountain roads where there isn't any cops. All we ever see up there are logging trucks. This morning, all of the guys were driving off the. Excuse me. This morning, all the guys were diving off the rocks and swimming out to the rapids. Scoutmaster Keith wouldn't let me because I can't swim. And Adam was afraid he would sink because of the cast. It's concrete because we didn't have any plaster. So he let us take the canoe out. It was great. You can still see some of the trees under the water from the flood. Scoutmaster Keith isn't crabby like some scoutmasters. He didn't even get mad about the life jackets. He has spent a lot of time working on the bus, so we're trying not to cause him any trouble. Guess what? We have all passed our first aid and merit patches. When Andrew dived into the lake and cut his arm, we got to see how a tourniquet works. Stephen and I threw up, but Scoutmaster Key said it probably was just food poisoning from the leftover chicken. He said they got sick that way with the food they ate in prison last year. Ooh, that's my favorite one. I'm so glad he got out and became our Scoutmaster. <laughs> he said he sure figured out how to get things done better while he was doing his time. By the way, what is a pedal foul? Uh, I have to go now. We're going to town to mail our letters and buy some more beard ammo. Don't worry about anything. Love, Jimmy. Wow. Wow. And, and boy, that really helped probably for our upcoming uh, camping trip, didn't it? Uh, don't worry. We don't have those kind of leaders. I can verify that. Sometimes things don't go like we expect. And sometimes people aren't who we expect. And the truth of the matter is, we all need a Savior. And as I look at Romans here, what a great letter to this church and what great wisdom. As you look in chapters one 2, three, Paul describes clearly that we are all sinners, that we have a heart problem, that we're messed up. In verses four, I mean in chapters four and five, he talks about justification. And many times when I hear that described, we think about just as if I never sinned. But it's even more than that. It's the miracle that while we still sin, God has declared that we are righteous, that we are forgiven, that we are part of His family. That's what justification's about. God looks at us and even though we're a mess, He says, I accept you, I receive you, I love you, even though you are a mess. And then he comes to chapter 6, and in chapter 6 he talks about the freedom that he provides. In Jesus Christ there's freedom where we don't have to be a slave to a life without God. We don't have to be a slave to that sinful nature that screams at us to do things that are harmful, that hurt God and hurt people around us, and that even hurt us. Made me think back, you know, to the first two brothers, and that calamity. God was; uh, He came and He spoke forth to, to Cain, who had that massive temper problem, and He said this. This is Genesis four seven. He says, "If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door; it desires to have you, but you must." Master it. Some of us hold on to sin. We get offended. Someone hurts our feelings. Bitterness creeps in and and takes over and it consumes and destroys us. I hope that's not where you are today. I hope there's not something that's happened to you and and you've taken hold of that and, and you've let it get into your heart. And to grow a bitter root. And to block your relationship with God. And with those that are around you. That's the sin condition. And in Jesus Christ, He wants to set us all free from that, guys. He He wants us to be free from from bitterness and from broken relationships and to bring relationships into the way they're meant to be. That's God's heart. That's what He wants to do. And He wants to free us. You know, we're often better at... Um, receiving grace than giving grace and yet many times it's hard for us to to re- to understand that we need it that we need God's wonderful awesome grace and he's so good at giving that grace I want to read this is from lamentations 3 22 through twenty or let me read 19 through 26. What a crazy time it was for God's people. There was a lot of suffering. People were starving. And yet, Jeremiah, as he thought about God, he remembered that God was still there. Let's start at 19. he, He writes, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for Him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in Him. To the one who seeks Him, it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord." Man, that's, that's God. That's His grace. Paul, he talks in Romans 6 about being set free. Then he comes back in Romans 7 and he, he honestly says, I'm still not free. i still got this struggle. And it's a, a condition that we all understand. And I want to just kind of march down, mention several verses in the chapters. We talk about Paul's struggle. First verse of chapter 7, he says, Do you not know, brothers, for I am speaking to men who know the law, But the law has authority over a man only as long as he lives. For example, by law, a married woman is bound to her husband as long as he's alive. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. So then if she marries another man while her husband is still alive, she is called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is released from that law and is not an adulteress even though she marries another man. So Paul uses the example he says hey when you enter into a marriage covenant you are committed to that person it doesn't matter fully about how you feel or what matters is that you've made this covenant you're bound is your life but then if that person dies you're free to remarry and Paul goes on and he says you know We die to self and God comes in and He brings new life. Look at verse 4, He says, So my brothers, you also died to the law through the body of Christ that you might belong to another, to Him who was raised from the dead in order that we might bear fruit to God. He said, when you heard the gospel, when you understand when you understood your sinful condition and you saw that you needed a savior and you cried out to God there was a change that happened the old Way of life that controlled you and had mastery over you, that died. And now there's new life that is available to you so that you can trust Jesus and that you can be victorious day to day in your walk with Him. God provides that. And He's sharing that. And in verse 6 He says, But now, but now by dying to what once bound us, we've been released from the law so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit, not in the old way of the written code. So as he describes the law, he says, Guys, he said, we're new. We're not slaves to sin as we once were. We're not slaves to just conduct that we couldn't keep. God's made us new. And then as he goes down through here, just a couple of points here. First, how our interest is aroused. How we begin to see how sinful we are. The law reveals that. Notice in verse 7, What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. Indeed, I would not have known what sin was except through the law. For I would not have known what covening really was if the law had not said, do not covet. The law says you don't do this. So we see that when we do it, we're sinners. We broke the law. It reveals. You know, like a sign... Any interesting little sign that says "wet paint"? Man, it's so hard when you see a sign that says "wet paint" not to touch, not to touch. It's like I gotta touch, see if it's really dry. Now, is it the sign's fault if I get paint on my hand, or if I touch it? No. Or, or what about this one? This always drove me nuts. Why is it that when always I'm in a position where I can't scratch, I itch? Ooh, you know that that becomes man such an obsession i just want to scratch well there is a there is an itch within each of us it's it's a sin that 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 grabs a hold of us and it's not that there's a problem with the sign there's a problem with me there's a sin problem and then the law exposes that sin in us look at verse 13 it says Did that which is good then become death to me? By no means. But in order that sin might be recognized as sin, it produced death in me through what was good. So that through the commandment, sin might become utterly sinful. The law shows us clearly the sin in our lives. Exposes it. Makes it clear to us. Just like an MRI may show that there is a mass in our bodies that shouldn't be there. That's a dangerous mass. Well, do we get mad at the MRI machine and say, you stupid MRI machine, you're the cause of this mass? Of course not. It just simply shows us the mass is there and the mass must be dealt with or it's going to grow and continue to be a problem. Or the microscope that shows the deadly germs that's in the water or uh, in the food. Is it the microscope's problem that the deadly germs are there? No, it just shows us they're there. Or the warning light on the car. Man, when a, my warning light comes on my car, is the best way to handle it? Take a hammer and whack that thing so it'll just stop. No, my car's going to break down. I need to pay attention to the warning light. The law warns us that we're in trouble. Guys, that there's a problem. That's what It does. Uh, basically says the same thing in 14 through 17 18 through 20 paul makes this point 14-17. 14:17 says we know that the law is spiritual but i'm unspiritual soul is a slave to sin he says man i don't want to come across to you that i'm some spiritual person that that never disobeys god He says, I do not understand what I do, what I want to do. I do not do what I hate. It's what I hate to do, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, law living in me. Then he he, he says it again. He reiterates that point in 18 through 20. He says, I know that nothing good lives in me. That is my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what's good, but I, I can't carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No. The evil I do not want to do, that's what I keep on doing. he says, if I do what I do not want to do, it's no longer I who do it. It is sin living in me that does it. Man, that just really hits home. This struggle between doing what God wants me to do and... Uh, mean doing what he doesn't want me to do, and it's a conflict that rages within. And and I can know that something's bad. I can know if I do it, it's going to make God unhappy. It's going to hurt me, and I still do it. I understand what Paul's saying because I have that stuff, man. You know, it's like God. I know better, but then I still find myself defeated. And and that's where he is, as, as he taught and Isn't it funny how um we can get into sinful patterns. And know it's wrong, but just continue to do over and over again that which is destructive. Gilda Radner, in one of her books, wrote a story about her cousin and her cousin's uh, dog. Um, her cousin was Dibby, and what happened was her dog was unfortunately in the wrong place at the wrong time, laying in the yard. And one of the family members was cutting the grass and ran over the dog's back legs and cut off the back legs of the dog. Well, they took the dog to the vet and the dog was pregnant with puppies. And the vet said, you can put the dog to sleep, but I I think the dog will still be able to deliver the puppies if you just want me to sew her up. And so Debbie made a decision, yeah, let's sew the dog up. Let the dog have the puppies. So that's what they did. And um, amazingly enough, the dog managed to... Learn to walk again, use the front legs, take a couple of steps, and then swing her backside around. Then take a couple more steps and swing that backside around. She had the puppies. Six beautiful little puppies. And the amazing thing was that uh, after she weaned those puppies, they learned to walk just like Mama. <laughs> take a couple of steps, swing that backside around. Following that pattern. And man, sometimes we follow the crazy patterns instead of doing it the way that makes sense and and that's right and and that's beneficial. We imitate wackiness. Matter of fact, I want to read to you that these are some true statements. Man, these actually appear on products. And some of this stuff is nuts, but I think it just shows us how wacky we are as people. Um, This is a safety warning on a toilet bowl cleaning brush. Do not use orally. What? Get all this one. This is on peanuts. Warning contains nuts. What do you expect? Um this might be the worst one to me in the whole group here. Instructions on an electric thermometer. Do not use orally after using rectally. What? What? Whew. On a child Superman costume, wearing of this garment does not enable you to fly. Okay. <laughs> on a Swedish chainsaw, do not attempt to stop chain with your hand. Okay. Um, on a pair of shin guards made for bicyclists, shin pads cannot protect any part of the body they do not cover. Amaz- amazing stuff, isn't it? On a novelty rock garden set called Popcorn Rock, eating rocks may lead to broken teeth. Really? Really? Um, on a butcher knife, please keep out of children. <laughs> okay. In the manual for a microwave oven, do not use for drying pets. Amazing what they have to put on stuff, isn't it? On a motorcycle helmet mounted rear view mirror, remember objects in the mirror are actually behind you. Um, on a portable stroller, caution, remove infant before folding for storage. <laughs> Good warning there. On a brand of Christmas lights for indoor or outdoor use only. What else is there, guys? What else is there? On a shipment of hammers, <laughs> may be harmful if swallowed. Really? Uh, on sleep aid, warning may cause drowsiness. Okay. Um, stamped on the metal barrel of a twenty-two caliber rifle, warning: misuse may cause injury or death. <laughs> Now this one's puzzling. On a bag. You could be a winner. No purchase necessary. Details inside. Okay. And on a remote control for a TV, last one, not dishwasher safe. Isn't it funny how there are labels that are so obvious but have to be placed there because of fear that people misuse them and bring harm. And yet that's how we are. God's truth and His laws are in His Word. They're there. And the law has to be so clear because we miss Him. (laughs) And then then there's pain that comes as a result of missing Him. You know, the fact is, you can clean a pig, you can put a ribbon on a pig, but it's still a pig. We might clean up our lives and we might try to be good citizens, but the fact of the matter is we're still sinners. Suppose this is a true story of a guy that uh, was on a, a flight, airplane flight, and the flight uh, actually stopped in the city before it got to its destination for 50 minutes. And he noticed that everybody got off the plane for the stop except one lady who, well it was clear that she was blind. She had her seeing eye dog next to her and the pilot came back there and Obviously, he knew her too. I guess he had uh, been with her before on flights. And he said, Kathy, we have almost an hour break. Would you like to get off the plane for a while? And she said, "Uh, no, it's okay. Thank you, though. He said, but my dog might be interested to stretch his legs and have a break if you wouldn't mind taking the dog out. And he goes, okay. Now, imagine what happened Outside in the airport when the pilot comes off the plane wearing sunglasses with a seeing eye dog. Man, people were not only changing flights, they were changing airlines. It's not a good qualification for an airplane pilot. Man, we're blind without God. We can't control our lives. We think we can, we think we got it together, we think we're headed in a safe direction, but without God we can't clearly see, and we're headed for a crash. So the end of the message here, just a couple of truths to bring into perspective here. First, we cannot curb our own disobedience, no matter how hard we try, without a saviour, guys. We can't fix the sin problem that we all have. All the positive thinking in the world will not fix it. The only thing we can be positive about is that we're headed to eternity. It's called hell without a Savior. Secondly, we do not fulfill our own wishes. We might have big plans, we might have wishes, but we're not smart enough or capable enough to be able to carry all that out without God in our lives. We need Him fully in control of our lives and our hearts. You know, we think we got it together. It's like cleaning a house never ends. You try to dust. And I don't know where in the world sometimes dust comes from. You can take something outside and shake it and beat it against the side of the house and everything else to get all the dust out of it. And then next thing you know, you sit on it and poof, here comes a dust cloud out of it. So hard to clean. I remember uh, reading one of Anne Graham Lott's Books, which you know is the daughter of Billy and Ruth Graham, and said that her mom was meticulous in her house cleaning, and she went and helped her mom clean the house, and she was stressed because she was afraid she would not clean the house to her mom's specifications. She said she came in, she thought she had the house completely cleaned, and then she looked up and she noticed there was a spider web up above. It's like, uh oh. And so it is with our lives. We think we're clean, we think we got it together, but we're never clean enough. We need a savior. I remember uh, my roommate in seminary, I liked a kid, and told everybody we were like uh, the odd couple, Felix and Oscar. Because I was Oscar, I was the slob. You know. He was clean. Man, we'd go out to eat, and he'd be taking the silverware, sticking it up, looking to make sure it's clean, examining it, you know. I'm like, dude, you worry too much. Until we went to Wendy's one day, and he ordered a hamburger. And he took, he took the, uh, top part of the bun off, and he was inspecting his hamburger, and sitting right in the middle of the lettuce was a spider web, woven together with a spider in the middle of it. I thought, dude, I'd ate all that. Never known it. Got all that protein. So, you know, you just don't know sometimes what you're gonna discover. Especially without God leading you. A third, we cannot ignore our own sin. Listen to what Paul says about himself. Verse 21. So I find this law at work. When I want to do evil, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man I am. Paul says, I'm I'm without hope. I'm a mess. I'm a mess. I'm so grateful for this next part, guys. He says, Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. The answer is the same as I hope it always is here on when we gather. Jesus. He is the one. Guys, we're all wretched. If you want to be honest, next to a holy God, no matter how good you are, it's pretty ugly. But Jesus provides His own beauty. He covers us in His righteousness. He sets us free. I'll close with this. You've heard it before, I know, but um, it says, "If our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator." If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, He would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness. So God sent us a Savior. Have you reached out to His invitation and said, God, I'm tired of trying to be somebody I'm not. Enter my life. Forgive me. Give me what I'm looking for. He will. Let's pray. God, thank You for this people known as Kingsway that I love, Lord. Thank You, Father, that we're able to be together here today. Lord, we need to hear from You, God. I hope we have, Lord. You promise that You're in a place where people come together. We have this need, Lord. We are sinners through and through. But I'm grateful that You're every bit as much and more a Savior. Father, we come to You with our sin. And we ask for that heavenly exchange to occur. Where You take our sin and exchange Your righteousness, God. Father, it's available. And thank You for that. For one here today, if You just bow Your heart and say, Forgive me, Lord Jesus, enter my life. Change me. Set me toward heaven. You hear that prayer, God, and I'm so grateful. Father, I just pray if anyone here needs to honestly pray, may it happen. Lord, bring people to the front who need to be at the front, who need to communicate what You're doing in their lives or what maybe You've just now done, Lord. Bring people to the altar to pray. God, we get caught up in our little worlds and we miss the world. And we're about to reach out in this block party, God. And the truth of the matter is, uh, we need something to remind us that you're at work. We want to see lives changed. And Lord, we're trying to get out there and connect. But Lord, we, we just can't do that unless you show up. And I pray, God, that you do a powerful work, God, that you'll bring people to this thing. Lord, and they'll see Jesus and that we'll be able to love them with Your love. And Father, that You'll just impact this community. And Father, that we'll be Your Your vessels. And uh, Lord, uh, do that in us. Grab a hold of our hearts so that we'll be ready instruments. We need to, um, Father, continue to prepare our hearts. Lord, just do that. Um, God, thank You. Take this time we call response invitation and may we respond to You. In Your name we pray. Amen.